The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 145, for Monday, March 10th, 2008. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I am Dave Hamilton coming from the Backbeat Media offices in Austin. And, of course, uh, John introduced the show. John Braun, that is. John F. Braun to you and me. How are you, John? Fantastic. And, and I have a shiny new toy in for a while. I have many shiny new toys. I was but the just going to say, this, the one this directly is the in front of me toys. here is a nice pile. PR40. Yeah, it's, it's the PR40. So we've got John on a PR40, which is what I usually use back in... Uh, the studio in New Hampshire uh, at TMO Towers East, we like to call that. But uh, today I'm actually on the blue snowball in a very, very bouncy office. I never realized how echoey the office here in Austin is uh, until until today. But uh, we'll live. The sound, I, I hope, is uh, acceptable for all of you discerning listeners out there. So, yeah, so this is the show of new toys. And if we have time after we talk about our toys, I'll talk about a couple of things I saw uh, in the last day and a half here while I've been at the South by Southwest conference as well. But uh, let's talk about our new toys and and let's dive right in, John. Everybody knows we ordered our new MacBook Pros and and now we have them. So uh, this this is your first first Intel machine, John. So why why don't you talk about talk about your new machine okay and give me some of the experience so um so far i'm extremely extremely pleased um okay so of course the first thing get it the unboxing i'll I'll just yeah we'll be all over the place here but but the various things that i liked about it so um the unboxing all right some people might think it's silly but the styro had little holes punched in it so there's just a little less waste to pollute the landfills of america but uh you know it's always fun they always do something neat and interesting in the uh the packaging and what I noticed this time is, in addition to getting, of course, the Apple stickers and the uh, and uh, you know some documentation and the discs and all that, a little black cloth just to make sure it stays nice and clean and shiny. That's right. Um, as far as the disc, though, the one thing I noticed that was missing, a little geeky here, open firmware password doesn't seem to be on the disc. And I found a tech note saying it's supposed to be on this disc, and it's not. And that's the utility, if some of you recall, that makes it a little less harder to you know get into a a machine. But, yeah, um, it'll stop it from booting, even. Yeah, and you can't do a lot of things you can normally do, like, you know, put it in target disk mode and I think stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I thought it was kind of fun. So the tech note doesn't really match that. But, anyways, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's move on to, you know, what I did. And so I was coming from a PowerBook G4. And so what I did is, you know, start up the machine. The first thing I noticed, the screen is incredibly, incredibly bright because it's an LED. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, it's because, you know, I'm coming from uh, a first-generation MacBook Pro uh, with the Core Duo processor. And this, so now we, we, we both are on uh, machines that have the LED screen, right? I'm right about that, right, John? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, to me, uh, you know, I think I described it to you as, as being creamy. It, it, it's, the, the whites are so consistent. It's almost to me, you know, having it in the same place in my office, you know, spot for spot replacement of the of the old MacBook Pro. It it looks like a sheet of paper there. The screen is so bright and so consistent, whereas the other one, I think it 
I, I don't think it was as consistent as, as I might have thought once I had this to compare it to. Are you, are you finding the same sort of thing, John? Yeah, so having them side by side, I mean, it was, it was clear. And actually, I almost yeah. felt that you know, the, uh, the, the, the MacBook was too bright, that I, I, I don't keep it at maximum brightness. Now, of course, the other right. thing they offer, and the first thing I noticed, I was in a room that you know, didn't have very bright lighting, is the keyboard lit up. And you know, this is my mm. first. It has the keyboard that comes on, and then there's all those, also this uh, uh, ambient light sensor, which um, at least I found is a mixed, uh, in very low light conditions, it gets kind of weird because you can, you can say adjust the brightness based on what you see around you. Um, that I found in bright light works okay, but in dim lights gets kind of uh, unpredictable. So, Okay. But yeah, screens are okay. nice. So, you know, I started things up. The, the machine, you know, went through a few screens, and then it said, hey, you got a Mac you want to uh, migrate? And it's like, okay, sure do. So, you know, I got my FireWire 400 cable, uh, plugged in the PowerBook, you know, held down T, put in target disk mode, and then it um, pretty much started doing the migration assistant thing. And the only thing that caught my attention was at one point. So the time estimates, and you know, this is always a hard problem. I mean, first right. it said four hours, then it said an hour and a half, and all that. It turned out to be an hour and a half with all the data that that I had on there. Um, the only thing I noticed, and this may be getting very picky, but at one point I could almost swear that the progress bar went backwards. So either I was caught in a time warp, or somebody did something funky with the progress bar, showing the progress of the migration. But eventually, well, you, it finished. Were you doing the migration as uh, as we were entering daylight saving time? Is that uh, <laughs> is that what happened? Is that why it, it moved backwards on you? No, no. And oh, okay. uh, of course, right. all the Macs uh, adjusted properly. But once I was done with that, um, you know, it was just like, you know, of course, a leopard versus a tiger machine. But everything was there. There were very few things. Um, that didn't work, and the things that didn't work were, of course, classic applications. And it was it was interesting because their icons would change, and they had one of those lines through them, basically saying, you know, don't touch this. And if you tried, it said, sorry, you know, classic. I, I have one or two things under classic. Now, of course, yeah. I fully backed up the machine, so I can always launch it on my my G5 if I really need to get at something. Right. I did a full back drive. Um, you know, because I'm probably eventually going to sell the machine. I actually have someone in mind who uh, does like the 12 inch. Okay. Um, but short of that, then what I did, and probably a good first step for anybody migrating, is go into the System Profiler Applications Software and list your software. And you're going to see that there's a kind column, or if there's not, you can add it. And you're going to have Classic, like I mentioned. You'll have PowerPC, Intel, and Universal. And then what I started doing is going through the applications that, that I knew or suspected had Universal versions and just you know started updating those. Of course, they, they all ran. Uh, fine, as far as I can tell. Uh, I haven't had any violent crashes, so I, you know, hats off to them for the migration assistant and the uh, Rosetta emulation. Yeah. Um, I may look at Sheep Shaver. I think that's a utility that will let you create a classic environment on an Intel machine. That's right. Yep. Um, and the one thing that didn't, that, that kind of worked, and thank goodness it did, is um, uh, Peripheral Vision is a pref pane that I really like that shows you when network or hardware resources connect or disconnect. Um, but as it turns out, there's a, a beta of one that works under Intel. It will migrate over. The only thing is the pref pane doesn't work, which is kind of weird. You click on it and says, sorry, this doesn't work on an Intel machine, but I saw the software working. So huh. that was the biggest problem I, uh, I had. Other than that, everything is, is running as expected. My email, uh, browser, um, all of that stuff. Actually, the VPN, the, I'm having some problems with the Cisco VPN, but I think that needs an update. Okay. So I got to say, all in all, I'm I'm... You know, very, very pleased. Um, everything is working uh, much faster. I mean, before, well, I mean, it drove me nuts on the G4 huh. was eventually I get into swap land with right. only one gigabyte of RAM. Now, this this guy, 
of course, you know, almost as soon as I got it, I, you know, shut it down and, and pulled, uh, pulled the battery, uh, you know, put in the two, two gig modules. And now I have four. And I think that gives OS 10 a lot more breathing room. Cause I would it, get in a situation sometimes where the G4, all it was doing, I could see with menu meters, it was just constantly reading and writing from the disc. It's like you couldn't yep. get anything after a while. I haven't had that problem in this machine. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I went through the same thing. I had a, a two gig uh, machine with my MacBook Pro, the previous one, which was the max that that would take. And yeah, I sat and swap most of the time. I mean, it, it, you know, within a couple of hours of a reboot, I was, uh, I was back in swap land and being up to four today. So I've had the, had the machine uh, up and running exactly a week today. And uh, today at, at one of the sessions at South by Southwest, I noticed I had gone into swap for the first time ever. And it was because A, I had left Safari running for multiple days and of course, Safari just bloats up. And B, iCal was like spinning out of control. It, it has its memory leak issues. And so I, I fixed that. But, but otherwise, it almost it, it never goes into swap. That's the first time. So you use the migration assistant. I actually decided before the MacBook Pro came, uh, I decided, you know, it's been a long time. I've been migrating from, I, I, I think the install that I had came all the way from 10.2. Right. And uh, so it went 10.2 to 10.3 and then uh, 10 th- and, and multiple machines. Right. And 10.3 to 10.4 and then and then 10.4 to 10.5. And of course, it, it had somewhere along the line there made the migration from PowerPC to Intel. And there was just so much stuff. I, you know, I'd start going through to clean things up at you know one point or another and just find things. It's like, gosh, you know, I got to get rid of this. So when I ordered this machine, I decided, yeah, this is it. Now, timing wise not really a good idea to start totally fresh on a machine and then leave the office four days later with that as the only machine I travel with. Uh, but y- you know, it trial by fire, it, it has been working great. The, I, and I blogged about this uh, on my Dave, the nerd blog, but you know, it really, it really wasn't nearly as painful as I thought it would be. I, I thought this was going to be, you know, a really heinous process and, and very, very inconvenient, but it really wasn't. Um, you know, my data obviously migrated over because I keep all of that, most of that, on my iDisk. Uh, so I just sync that down. Mail was pretty easy, although I have a, a big mail archive uh, that I moved. But, but of course, with IMAP, all the current stuff just, you know, magically made it over. And then it was really nice, actually, to, to only install the applications that I use. So, yeah, even though this drive's a whole lot bigger and all that, it, it's just nice to start, start clean. And I think every now and then, you kind of have to do that as nice. And as I mean, the migration assistant's great. You know, I got that new iMac that we swapped out and uh, I use the migration assistant on that and haven't looked back. It's working great. But uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I'm very, very happy that I did the, the whole uh, manual migration, if you will, it's worked out very, very well. So the, the first thing I noticed out of the box, John, on this new MacBook pro is uh, the keys across the top, the function keys have different uh, different assignments. There's now uh, shuttle controls to start and stop and fast forward. Uh, the the volumes moved around, and there's uh, a control for, I believe, expose right, and one for the dashboard to get to bring both of those up instantly. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's actually pretty cool to have those there. I, the, the shuttle controls for iTunes are great. I, I think that's. That's that's brilliant. So I was happy to see that. Although I keep hitting the wrong key to increase and decrease the volume because those have moved around, and I'm you know obviously just have muscle memory there that I'm 
I've got to get rid of, but, uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy with this machine. I, you know, I used it on the airplane for the first time in a long time. I used, uh, I watched a movie on the airplane and, uh, you know, I had that old Mike uh, airline adapter that he had kind of built and, and homebrew. And that's, st- that works great on this machine. And, uh, and, and even without it, battery life on this is, well, it's a new battery too, but it's, you know, way better. I'll, I'd probably get four hours out of it if, uh, huh. yeah. Very, yeah, very, very pleased. Yep. I found eh, two to three, but I'm running wireless around the house. So um, okay, okay. You might um, have the screen and, brightness higher than I than I do when I'm on like Uber battery saving mode too. Yeah. So uh, one interesting thing I noticed was um, I experienced why you may want to hibernate at one point. Okay. Which is the machine ran down. I bought two batteries, and at one point, what I do and what I think uh, Apple still recommends, or at least what I do, is you should probably run any battery that you have down all the way to nothing um, right. to help it calibrate. Now, I didn't right. find anything explicitly saying to do that, but I, I, it, it's buried there somewhere. But you know, let it run down and then charge all the way up so it, it knows its uh, range. But at one point, what I did is once it ran all the way down, um, I had a fully charged battery, and uh, I had forgotten to plug the machine in. And so when I put in the battery and I started the machine up, all of a sudden I see this progress bar on the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I'm like, ah, it's unhibernating. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, yeah, we that mentioned really and well. I added um, smart sleep. Um, okay. Okay. Also, which we talked about because, yeah, so the default behavior, which I guess is, is you know, good to prevent you from shooting yourself in the foot, uh, I believe, or from what I can see, is it always hibernates when it shuts down. And uh, of course, uh, smart sleep will uh, link to it again. But we did in the last uh, last show. It it uh, if if there's enough juice, it'll just skip the hibernate and go right to sleep. Which you know, of course, if power goes away, then you're uh, in bad shape. But uh, you know, I think it's a it's a probably a better model because the one thing I noticed is the machine gets kind of unresponsive, and it, it concerned me when I started, you know, trying to help some folks out around the uh, the nine to five with their machines because I I was expecting it to sleep. And I would put the machine, and it would sit there for a real long time before the light pulsed. And now it's all clear to me why that's happening. Right. The machine. But it was it yeah. was nice that it did in that case. So of course you know uh, smart sleep. If you were very low on battery, like in this case I was, because the battery was dead, it'll hibernate. Uh, assuming, and you know, it basically loaded the disc. I saw the progress bar, and I was right back where I started. So that's very cool too. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you know the the. One of the new features about this, of course, is that it has the enhanced trackpad that'll let you do pinching and and all that stuff. I never really spent the right amount of time learning all the two-finger stuff on the old trackpad that I had on my MacBook Pro. And so, you know, now I find myself using the two-finger scrolling and and all of that stuff, and it's really fantastic. Um, It's actually, like I said, the timing wasn't perfect, but getting a new machine... And then going on the road with it, um, where I'm not using an external keyboard, I'm not using an external mouse, and really getting to know this machine as this machine, it's actually been quite nice. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm really, I think I'm going to miss when I go back home and, you know, plug in the mouse at the office and stuff, I think I'm going to miss some of the, uh, the scrolling features that I've gotten used to, and I'm going to have to figure out how to, how to, you know, reintegrate that into my workflow. But, uh, but I, I think it's pretty cool. I, the pinching... And the the twisting and the three finger swiping, I don't, 
I haven't found a real use for that. Uh, it, it's fun. There's there's things that you can do with it in the Finder. I think John, you found that you can resize icons with the uh, with the pinching. Eh, eh, you know, I, it, the, the one thing that I found while we were prepping for the show is I can use the three finger swipe to go back and forth in Safari. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but you know, it to me that's not the kind of thing. It's obviously awesome on the iPhone. It's cool to have it here, but you know. That's uh, that's about it. That's about as far as it goes. In my, opinion. I like it for scroll. Well, I, I personally like it for scrolling within Safari and things. And then the other thing I like is that it does a uh, and effectively, if you do two fingers, it does a control click, so you don't have to be reaching for the keyboard to get the right. uh, contextual menu. So that I like that you can have it because I'm, I don't know. There, there are two camps. I'm, a, I'm a tapper. I like to enable tapping on the trackpad. Some people don't, right. and they just like to use the mouse button and the keyboard. And you know, depends on. I roll, I guess. That's, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm a non-tap kind of guy, but, uh, but I certainly appreciate that there are people that, that are tappers. All right, so uh, that'd be a nice game to have. Remember Root Beer Tapper, John? Uh-huh. That'd be a fun game to have. <laughs> you know, I have that game on my palm, but I'd like to have that on the Mac. I wonder if, I wonder if there's a version of it. Uh, you know what I did play, and, and I've, I've got the new version coming. I, you know, I'm not a big game player, but uh, – the thing that I always get suckered into is the flight simulator games. And so uh, I've started playing X-Plane again, and I'm looking forward to checking out X-Plane 9, which is a universal, uh, you know, binary. Um, but it, I, I was playing X-Plane on the airplane at, at 34,000 feet. So that was kind of fun, uh, charting out a course and going from VOR to VOR. It was actually pretty cool. Uh, but let's talk, let's talk about the next piece of hardware that we each ordered which is a one terabyte time capsule. Uh, apparently these things are very, very hard to get. Um, I, you know, John and I obviously ordered ours the day that we ordered our MacBook pros. Uh, I think most of those pre-orders have shipped, but very hard to get in the stores. I ordered one here for the backbeat office. Uh, I think the next day and it still hasn't shipped. So I'm, I'm not honestly not sure what I'm going to do. The stores don't have them here. Uh, but we each have them. And, uh, so let, let Let's talk about them a little bit. So I, I think uh, we have we have different setups. I've left my Linksys router as the main router for my uh, my network at the the house, and then of course the office, and have the time machine. That, sorry, the time capsule in bridge mode. And so I had to go through first. You've got to install a new version of the airport utility that comes on a CD with time capsule, uh, and then it sees it and will and will address it. I had some. Even though it had a kind of a, a path to, to go to get it into bridge mode, I had to muck with it a couple of times through before it finally was set up the way I want. Um, one thing I noticed is you can set up, you obviously set a password not only to uh, administer it, but a password to access the data on it and to write to it. You can set just a generic password, which for me is what I've done uh, in my setup, but you can also set up uh, an access control list and, and put usernames and passwords so that you've got different passwords for different people, which I could see being a, a valuable thing in an office building. That way, if you let someone go, you can just go into the time capsule, pluck that, uh, that particular user right out of the thing, and they can't log in and they don't have anybody else's password, so you don't need to go around the office and change it for everyone. Um, once I got it set up, though, John, this time capsule is fantastic. Uh, it, it, for me, it just works. Uh, I actually did have, I had one machine that, uh, Lisa's, um, power book started getting weird with it. Uh, I had to go through and start the time capsule back up over again, but 
after that, everything's been fine and I've been able to, you know, restore from it. And, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm extremely pleased with this device. It, it, it's, it's actually really blown me away. I, I wasn't blown away by it when I saw it at the keynote, but now that I've, I've gotten the opportunity to use it and, and, you know, really come to rely on it going from having retrospect, which was doing pull backups, right? A server machine had to be running and all the clients had to be on at the time that the server decided or was programmed to back up, uh, now moving to a push environment where the clients decide when it's time to back up and they just pump their data out to this NAS device. Uh, it's fantastic. I can let my MacBook pro sleep at night, which I never was able to do before. Uh, I'm really, really pleased about, about, about just the whole way it's set up now, of course, to really be pleased about it, I've got to use it for a year, go through some disaster and recover from it. But, uh, but we, we need to wait for time on that one, I think. So, you want to talk about your setup a little bit? And then there's a couple other things about the time capsule I want to throw back in. Yeah, so um, I'm happy with it too. So I had, and I, and I think it's going to be past tense. We'll see. But I had, a, as many of you know, a Linksys WRT54G with the uh, DDWRT uh, open firmware. And um, that did pretty good. And it's inexpensive. Uh, of course, it doesn't have a drive. Um, so what I did, you know, I, I was wrestling with, like I think you were, Dave, is like, you know, should I do a bridge and this? And I'm like, you know, let me think about this. What do I have plugged into that? And basically what communicates that, with that is my computers, which now my portable is going to be an N. You know, I'm going to get rid of the, uh, I think, the uh, uh, PowerBook G4, sell it to a, a friend who will give it a good home. So I'm like, you know, maybe I can retire the WRT54G. When I looked at what I had plugged into it, so of course it's not only 802N, base with a drive, but it's also a, a gigabit switch. And the two things I had plugged into the, the Linksys were my Ethernet printer and my cable modem. And I'm like, hmm, you know, let me just, disc and, and my G5, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, that really doesn't make sense. So I basically, um, uh, you know, plugged everything into that. Now, one thing is I, you know, I verified on the G5 that it was doing gigabit Ethernet and by either, um, you know, two ways, uh, either running a network utility and looking at the interfaces to see if it's a gigabit speeds, or um, I think, Dave, you said, you know, you can go to the command line and do IF config. I think if you just type that, it'll show right. you all interface. You have to do all. Uh, I'm not sure. No, no, no. Uh, just type, go, go to the terminal and, uh, and just type the command IF config, all one word, no spaces. Yep. And you'll look, and, and you've got to find the, the address or the, the adapter. You'll see a bunch of adapters listed. You've got to find the one that has the IP address that you know you're using. So, you know, you're going to be looking for a 10.0.whatever or okay. 192.168. And then you'll yeah. see media, uh, mm -hmm. and it'll probably be set to auto-select and then status active. And right below that, you'll, you'll see what it's set to. You'll see supported media, which will list a whole laundry list of everything from 10 base T all the way up to 1,000 base T if your machine supports that. But but it'll but above that laundry list will be one thing. So, hey uh, John, can I can I interrupt you for one second? I uh, you know I always have trouble with these shows where we're not doing reader comments, finding the the right opportunity to interject and and tell everyone about our sponsors. But I do yep. want to do that. Uh, so our first sponsor for this show is Barebone Software with BB Edit. And you've heard us talk about this before. It's a piece of software. I actually use it every day. Today I used it to manage to build the HTML uh, that will be the, uh, the, the show notes that you see right there on TMO. Also use it to edit PHP files. 
it's got an intelligent filter in it where as soon as it realizes what kind of file you're editing, it has it color codes all of the uh, all the syntax. It has fold ups. So if you've got like in PHP, if you've got some functions listed, you can twist up the functions and hide them and just see the descriptor line for it. Open up only the one you want, edit it, go back in. Of course, you all know it has the Dave Hamilton feature, which means if I have 16 files open in four different windows, all set up the way I want, and I quit BB Edit when I relaunch, right all back to the way it was. And that includes anything. BB Edit will open and save files directly to an FTP server automatically. Once you've opened a file from the FTP server, when you hit Command-S, it FTPs it back. It, it is no additional user interaction very, very smooth and, and really works well for some of the stuff that we do here. I'm happy to use it. I'm very happy that they sponsor the show. And that's, of course, BB Edit from Barebones Software at barebones.com. All right. Uh, do, you, do you have something more you want to add about the time capsule or, or can, I, uh, can I throw some stuff in? Um, well, a couple things. Okay. I'll, I'll toss it back. So, yeah, yeah. so the one thing is I did you know, pretty much after that. So I made it my main station and, and I verified um, you know, of course, you can make it a hard disk. And, and the one cool thing now that I have all the machines on Leopard is it just kind of pops up as a shared device. There's a shared category on both both my machines now. And it just kind of appears there if you choose to format it as a uh, as a hard drive. And I got pretty good speeds. I, I actually benchmarked it. And I was getting, which is greater than some of the ones that I saw online, some early reviews. I, I was getting about 15 megabytes a second yep. over a gig network. And I think your speeds match that. So it's pretty zippy. Um, over uh, over a network, and I was also getting pretty good uh, end speeds. Now I'm in GN mode because my TiVo has a G adapter, okay. so I may be taking a hit. But I was getting about four megabytes a second. Wow! Uh, throughput. I think the theoretical maximum on two N, at least this version, is uh, about ten megabytes a second. So very good throughput. I'm now up to WPA two because you know I kicked off that print server. Of course, this device lets you plug in a right. USB printer. I just need to get a cable long enough because it's in a <laughs> Um, or, you know, get a, another wireless adapter. But I, I think I'll go on that adventure. And uh, what wasn't clear to me about once uh, looking through the docs is that you can plug in either a printer or, I guess, another hard drive if you really want to. That's and right. Yeah, you can have multiple drives hanging off the thing. That's right. Um, so I'm very pleased. And, and it also seems to work pretty well, you know, from, uh, of course, you know, one of the reasons you want to get it is if you have a portable machine. And um, the first time capsule backup, especially over wireless, uh, what Let I did overnight. Nick, uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then some. Uh, it yeah. while. It was many gigabytes. I mean, you know, the 802N is fast, but it's not that fast. So, uh, if, yeah. If you can, that's only for the, the for the first backup, plug it in to one of the Ethernet ports on there and let it do the first backup. The cool part of it, about the time capsule is it's always doing sparse images because the drive is never considered local to your Mac. So, mm -hmm. if you plug an Ethernet cord into it, it'll go way faster than it will over wireless. And that gets your first backup done. And then the incrementals are, are relatively painless and almost unnoticeable, uh, at least in my experience. So, so I, I, I recommend that. I, you know, I, like I said, I, I set mine up in bridge mode for a couple of reasons. The biggest is that I have the internet uh, access from the cable modem coming into the office, John. And then uh, I actually decided to set the time capsule up over at the house. And really, that's, that, that's for, for data safety, right? Uh, it, it's almost an off-site backup. I mean, it, you, you've seen our, our setup there. If the office were to catch fire and burn down, there's a good chance the house would be just totally fine. It, the office is far enough away that it wouldn't, you know, destroy the house too. So 
uh, so that's why I chose to keep it over at the house. And obviously at that point, no choice, but to put it in bridge mode, which is what I was going to do anyway. Uh, but you know, I've got a bunch of hundred megabit routers or not routers, hundred megabit switches connecting everything together. And I thought, you know, and I plugged the, the dual G four over at the house now into the, the time capsule and saw it backing up at 15 megabytes a second. It was like, okay, we got to go to gig E here. So I ordered Amazon, uh, has a bunch of Netgear uh, switches and they're all at like 15 and 20 bucks off with a rebate. So I ordered four different net Netgear switches, two five ports and two eight ports. Cause you can only get the rebate on two at a time, two of each at a time rather. And, uh, so when I get home from this trip, I'll be able to set up and, uh, and see if all my cabling supports gig E, which I think it will. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. So the one thing, you know, I've got an old blue and white, it's a blue and white G3 with a, with a G4 processor upgrade in it. And it's running tiger and it runs our FileMaker server. And it's way powerful enough to do that. Uh, but obviously it can't time capsule because it doesn't have leopard. But, uh, I, what I, you know, like I said, I set ours up in, in a, in one password mode, if you will. And when you connect to it, you can connect to it as a shared drive from your leopard machine and you click on it and it says, just give me the password. It doesn't ask for a username and password because it, it knows it's a time capsule. Well, when you connect, you can connect to it from the 10.4 machine on that. It actually asked me for a username and password. Presumably the username is useless. I left it at Dave Hamilton because that's what it kind of auto filled in, but I just typed the password and it mounted like a shared drive from anywhere else. And so I, uh, I downloaded super duper. I'd never used super duper before. I can't believe I'd never used it before. This thing's awesome. Uh, and it allowed me to create a sparse image backup of the entire drive of the, 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 the G three come G four and, uh, and it works great. And now it, every night it does, it's, you know, incremental backups, but it, but it, the way I have super duper set up, it's, there's no going back to multiple iterations like you can with time capsule. It's just every night it's got a snapshot of, of what the drive looks like at that point, which is totally fine for me, but uh, was very happy to be able to connect the 10.4 machine to it and use it. No problem. So uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to really totally replacing retrospect. Cause I've now I've got super duper running on the MacBook pro when I'm in the office every night, it runs and dupes the, uh, the, the whole drive to a, a sparse image there and that way i've got a you know i can just reboot actually it's not even doing a sparse image it's just doing the whole thing and uh seems to work so i'm uh i'm, I'm a very happy camper having replaced retrospect which still to this day isn't universal and it just drives me crazy so that's, uh, they say yeah they say october this year but i, I can't keep waiting yeah no, now another thing that i liked about the time capsule is um you know, the, uh, a nod to uh, security or just to explain some of the options they had there, which I was glad to see. So if you'll notice, there's two ports on there. One is a WAN port and one is a LAN port. The WAN port is something that you should be plugging into your cable modem or other device that goes to the Internet. The LAN port is your local stuff. And I noticed in several of the uh, screens on the new airport utility, it'll have choices, which are usually unchecked, which is a good thing. So, for example... Uh, configuration, there's a little checkbox saying allow configuration over Ethernet WAN port. You probably, depending, if you're, you know, directly connected to the Internet, I would say that's probably not a not a very good idea. Right, right, <laughs> oh, on, absolutely. Um, if you, um, unless you like living dangerously. But um, if you're, of course, if you're on an internal, you know, corporate type of network where your, your WAN port is plugged into a switch, which is then firewalled or, or router or whatever, um, 
then it's probably okay. But but there are cases there. Also on disks, you can choose to if you want to share a disk over the WAN port, but you probably shouldn't. Well, again, it depends on how your network is set up. But I I like that attention to separating the two worlds. Yep. The, the only thing is that there's no, you know, when people have asked me this, uh, one of my coworkers, he's like, you know, so what about the firewall on this thing? And the thing is, it's it kind of hidden in that I think it's just by default blocking everything unless you allow it through through some of these checkboxes. Unless you right. do, there is, um, you know, a port mapping facility buried. Right. Oh, okay, under the NAT thing here. Configure port yeah. things. Well, NAT, you know, NAT routing in and of itself is is a firewall in that when it, when a packet comes in, if the router doesn't know what to do, you know, unless it's got explicit instructions to do something with it, or if it came from a site that, you know, the router had requested something from, it just has to ignore it. It's got no other choice. Uh, you know, it, along the lines of, of you saying, you know, excluding things from the WAN port, with mine set up in bridge mode, I actually turned all that off so that I can essentially have an extra port on a switch uh, connected to the thing. But, uh, but you know, like you said, it all depends on how your network's set up. One thing uh, I noticed, Apple updated their AppleCare terms. Some of you may be aware that if you have AppleCare, uh, your airport base station, any airport base station you have connected to that Mac is covered. Uh, and that now applies to Time Capsule as well. So... Uh, if you've got, you know, if you've got a, a Mac at, at your place that's airport or uh, Apple Care uh, equipped, well, automatically your your time capsule is totally covered by uh, by Apple Care. Which if you keep buying new Macs, essentially it means that your time capsule is covered forever. I think if somebody somebody has some insight on that and and uh, and and knows that I'm wrong, let us know. But I'm pretty sure it means that you're just covered ad infinitum there. Which uh, it's a nice little perk. I mean, Apple Care is not cheap. You know that we support it 100% here. I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, and this is yet another one, one of those reasons why. So Now, in Time Capsule, I also noticed um, they have enable NAT port mapping protocol, which I think is the less popular cousin to universal plug and play. Correct. So that may be one thing you don't get with this, but. Um, other than that, yeah, no, I'm a, uh, I'm uh, you know, hey, it, it runs it, you know, runs real fast. I love the shared disk; uh, it just pops up, and, and as you That's said, you know, you can other machines. So, uh, um, notice it was kind of well, no, there's a hard drive in there. It was kind of heavy when I when I pulled it. I was heavier yeah. than I expected, but yeah. um, and there's no fan or anything, which kind of weirds me out because I mean, there's a hard drive generating heat in there, and but, it's hot. If have you put your hand on top of that thing after it's been on for a couple of days? That thing's well, especially hot. there is a little metal apple on top, and I wonder if yes. that's actually a little heat dissipation. Uh, uh, um, yeah, that venue. thing's hot. I mean, it's like red fishbone hot. You gotta, I mean, you gotta be careful <laughs> of that. <laughs> uh, but, um, all right, so it's not gonna melt. I hope. I, I hope it doesn't melt. Well, we'll have to. It'll be interesting to see, especially as uh, as the summer wears on and people's houses start getting up to, you know, 75, 80 degrees, 85 degrees maybe during the day if you don't have air conditioning or you just don't use it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that drive with no fan survives for, for a lot of people. I I think there will be some problems. I've had issues with drives when it hits like 82 degrees in the office if I just haven't, you know, if I left the windows open and the AC's on, or AC's not on, rather. I've got a couple of hard drives that are in those ice cases uh, that don't have any fans, but, you know, just have the, kind of the slot cooling on them and uh and they'll shut down they'll just go offline 
Um, so I'm curious to see what happens with the time capsule. I, maybe I'll have to heat the house up one day and see what happens. Yeah. All right. And, so uh, we go ahead. Uh, a hidden gem. Now that this was kind of yeah. we talked about this, but just to offer a little gem here on the time capsule. If you click on airport and then summary, there's a little. You'll notice a, a lot of the selections. If you hover the cursor over it, it'll kind of invite you. It'll show a little arrow, and if you click on it, it'll uh, you know show you a little more detail. And a one choice here, which I think is very nice, and it's not obvious you can do this, is wireless clients. If you click on this, it brings you to a screen that, as far as I can tell, that's the only way to get to it. And it will show you a log of all the sort of weird things that are, you know, happening as far as, you know, keys. I'm looking here, like it says, you know, rotated TKIP group key, which is part of the WPA protocol. It keeps, you know, doing key rotation. Yep. Wireless clients, it'll show the connected clients and their signal strength and noise and the MAC address and also DHCP clients. So that's a nice uh, feature that lets you dig a little deeper into to what's going on here. Because I think, you know, normally they try to shield you from the harsh realities, but it's nice that, you know, if you're curious enough, you, you can bring up that feature and kind of diagnose who's connecting and, you know, try to, you know, help people, uh, you know, with their signal strength and all, or just see if there's somebody connected that you don't want connected. Huh. Wow. That's cool. I, I, I had no idea that was there. I, I, like I said, I mucked with it the first day I had it got it up and running and I haven't been into the utility since the problem is once you've got it up and running and you've got machines connecting to it, you know, by default and not even by default, I mean, unless you go and and go way out of your way to change it, all those machines are backing up once an hour. Well, if you've got four or five machines, which is what I've got backing up one, each once an hour at any given point in time, chances are one of them is talking to that thing. And if you go and make one settings change and you go to apply it, it's got to reboot that time capsule and it pulls it offline, or at least in my experience it did. And I think that's what screwed up uh, the backup from Lisa's power book was that I pulled it offline in the midst of a thing. It didn't care that I pulled it offline. It didn't yell at me and say, uh, dude, you know, you're, you're, you've got people sending me data. You shouldn't reboot. It just let me do it. Uh, and I think it screwed up the disk image and, and she had to, you know, start from scratch. So be aware of that. Uh, make sure your, your, all your machines are not, backing up when you uh when you go and, and monkey with the settings there so just a just a word to the wise uh so we have another device to talk about here that is exactly the same size i think right almost exactly the same size as the uh time capsule but before we do that we have uh our second sponsor is actually a new sponsor to the show but not a new vendor in our minds and it is Lemkey software with Graphic Converter. We're really, really happy. I know this is a piece of software that, John, you use uh, almost religiously like I do. Uh, so Graphic Converter, it's 35 bucks, And this thing is, it's like the Swiss Army knife of uh, image manipulation on the Mac. You've got, uh, you can make slideshows with it. Uh, you can print catalogs. You can convert files. I think it supports over 200 formats coming in and I think almost a hundred, like 80 formats on the export side. Uh, and you can do batch stuff. So if, let's say you have a bunch of, uh, you know, GIF files that you need to convert to JPEG, boom, it'll do it. If you have files that you need to put a watermark on, like your logo, boom, it'll do it. It, it it's a fantastic utility. And of course it's shareware. So, uh, you don't even have to spend the 35 bucks to learn why you want to spend the 35 bucks. So go to uh, lemkeysoft, it's L-E-M-K-E soft.com. Of course, there's a link in the show notes. And uh, download your, your free trial copy of Graphic Converter. 
and uh, and check it out. Like I said, it's something I've been using since long before Mac Geek Gab was even a thought in the minds of John and I. And uh, very, very happy to have them on board. So that's Lemkey Software with Graphic Converter. All right, yes. so... I think they've been around. I, I think I've had it for over 10 years. I mean, this program, and, and they yeah. have formats I have never heard of. So if you've got an oddball graphic format, more often than not, this, this is going to know what mm-hmm. to do with it. Yeah, very good stuff. And we actually uh, ran into the creator. We uh, He's he's always at the, the Macworld show. Yep, so, that's uh, right. That's right. Excellent, excellent stuff. All right, so we had the opportunity to take a look at the Apple TV. Now, you all know, well, maybe not all of you, but I looked at it. When it first came out, Apple sent us a copy, or a copy, a review unit. I looked at it and sent it back. John had not had the opportunity to look at it. We figured the take two, and, and I had some some complaints about it. Uh, would it. We figured, go ahead. Could I ask, would it be safe to say, I mean, my perception of the first unit was that it was kind of, it was more or less an extension of your iTunes on your computer, and you were kind of pushing things out to it, but there was this relationship between the two. Is is that yeah. what I got? So yeah, now it's it's the same hardware. To to, to be clear, right. it, the only difference is software here, uh, and and that's right. Yeah, you, everything had to be driven from the uh, well, not everything. You could you could browse YouTube stuff, but mm-hmm. you couldn't get any new uh, iTunes Store content from the Apple TV directly. You had to go to your computer. So if you finished watching an episode of uh, you know The Office and you wanted to watch the next one, you had to get up off your butt. Go over to the computer, tell the computer to get it. Once the computer had downloaded the whole thing, you could pump it over to the Apple TV. Obviously, they fixed that. And uh, and so John and I decided we'd take a look at it again. Apple sent us a, a review unit. I, I checked it out, and then I shipped it off to John. So you had the, the weekend to play with it. Now, uh, it's got it actually has a lot of cool things, and it fixes a lot of the complaints that... Uh, in fact, it, I, I think it fixes it, most of the complaints that uh, that I'd, I'd had about it initially. Obviously, now you can rent movies while you're just sitting there on your duff. And I have to say that that process of renting the movie and having it download to the Apple TV and then start playing it is beautiful. It, it really, really works well. I only did it with HD movies, which, of course, is something... I can't play in my home otherwise. I don't have an HD DVD player. Uh, I can certainly do Amazon Unbox movies on my TiVo, which is very convenient. Uh, right. But they're not even close to HD. They're, they're not even standard def, right? And they're, not, they're only stereo sound, whereas the HD movies from Apple are 5.1 sound. Mm. And uh, I have to say, it, you know, it, yes, it's $4.99 for a movie. Okay, well, you know what? It's fine. It, it works. It, it, it works. Now, th- that said... Uh, I do have some complaints about the uh, the process, and I'm just going to go into this, John, and then I, I want to hear your thoughts about about the whole thing. Uh, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll here. So you know they've they've got a handful, maybe more than a handful, but it, it's certainly a very limited quantity of rentals available now, and that's fine. There were there were plenty to test with and 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 certainly enjoy. But one night, Lisa and I sat down and we went through and and tried to find a movie. Now the thing was, we found like five different movies that we wanted to watch all that had HD, but there was no way to mark down, you know, we're Netflix people. Okay. So we spend some time, you know, maybe once a month we'll go through Netflix and just find a bunch of movies and add them to our queue. And then they just show up at our house as we, you know, send stuff back and forth. There's no analog to that with, with this. Every time you want to rent a movie, you have to go and dig and find it. 
And let me tell you, to me, they need to fix this because this store doesn't scale at all. It doesn't work with the current number of movies that they have. And when they've got 10 times or 100 times that number, it's going to really fall apart. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that Apple's listening and, and hoping that they're going to work on this because it is a great experience. Once you start downloading the movie, you can start playing it. You know, I had... I was using full speed. It was just maxing out my pipe. So it was coming in at like a megabyte a second. I was able to start watching an HD movie. I think you, you had the same experience, John, it, you know, within a minute or two of, of clicking the buy button, you, you yep. could start watching no problem. Um, but yeah, you know, having a wish list or something, some way I could tag the movies that I found. The interface is really kind of weird. It, it, it has no rhyme or reason. You're just sort of digging in this, ADD fueled thing where you look at one movie and then there's 10 more that they show you and you look at one of those and there's 10 more and it just sort of spreads out and it, it, it works. It, it allows you to see all these movies, but you have no way to get back to where you were three days later. You know, and I, if I, if I spend 10 minutes, go ahead, John, what's that? I mean, there's some structure to it, but, but I think what you're, you're talking about is that a lot of times when you bring up something, it then has, Oh, and by the way, right. So, Which so is it gives cool. you the opportunity so on the one hand, yeah, it gives you an opportunity to kind of wander about, but you can get lost. I mean, of course, if you hit the menu button, eventually it'll bring you back. So, yeah, but you can't okay, once you've I, got, once you've come back, you can't go back in, right? You're you're totally like it, it you know, because yeah, we did this twice, right? The first time we went through, and and instantly we noticed we have no way of creating a wish list. So we were you know already in this mindset when we sat down three nights later to rent another movie. And, and I got to tell you that, you know, the writer's strike has, has got to be it, the timing of this Apple TV thing is fantastic, right? Because there's nothing to watch on TV. So renting movies, it's an easy decision to make. But, you know, we went to do it again. And it's like, oh, what were those other movies we wanted? And I, I remembered one or two of them. But it was, well, how do we find them again? And we had to dig and we probably, you know, spent another five or ten minutes going to find the movies that we wanted. And there's not that many movies available to rent, Right. It, it, it's not like there's thousands and thousands. And when there are, holy smokes, man, this thing's going to be a, a train wreck, I think. So I, I hope they fix that. They've clearly paid attention to what people want to do. And I can't imagine I'm the first person to notice, uh, you know, this is uh, kind of kludgy. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Netflix interface, uh, sorry, well, the Netflix interface is great. Obviously, that's a different paradigm. You're, you're getting DVD mailed to you. But uh, the Unbox interface on TiVo is way better for for finding stuff. It it doesn't have a a, a you know a, a wish list feature either, and it should. But uh, you know, be it be that as it may, at least with TiVo, I can I can put stuff uh, I can tag stuff on Amazon, and I can send it directly. Even if I'm at my computer, I can send it directly to the TiVo. I don't have to wait and download it and send it over. So, uh, so there's there's some work to be done. It. You know, it's all new, be it Amazon Unbox, be it Apple TV. I, I like the Apple TV because it's HD. I, you know, I, I really think that to me, that's really important. So it, along those those lines, I, I think it's good. And and now you can see ratings online. You can't do any ratings on, on, on the Apple TV, but at least you can see how other people rated movies. And, uh, I, you know, I like it. And it's cheaper than a Blu-ray. So if you compare it to that, you know, you're... Uh, you can't get a Blu-ray player for what two hundred bucks. So there you go. That that that's my thoughts on it, John. What are what okay. are yours? So my spin. Um, so not having used the first version. So one thing is that I intentionally dove in, not linking it to my Mac. I'm like, you know, can I get this thing 
set up and able to buy stuff without touching my Mac at all? And the answer is yes. The, now, of course, you know, the one downside with any sort of device like this is you don't have a keyboard. So setting it up initially with, you know, your, your iTunes name and your password and all that. Okay, yeah, you got to, you know, fiddle around. They probably do as good a job as anybody is uh, making a remote control able to navigate an alphabet. Um, yeah, and, it, 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 there's no good wants, way to do it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they let you plug in a keyboard. Wouldn't that be nice? But I didn't see a USB port on there. So I don't think. Oh, and speaking of things that it doesn't come with, this is just a general swipe at I think anybody that sells a device like this. Well, the, other than the TiVo, but of course we, we paid handsomely for our TiVo Series 3s. Can you toss in a started. cable, guys? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, because that's what I did. I have a Samsung forty-inch yeah. uh, LCD, and I use the HDMI cable from from my TiVo. So, um, got it. You know, got they're it. they're getting cheap enough, but and and I don't think you have to. It'd just be nice because you know what? What if you get it and you pull it out of the box and you're like, now what? Mm. Yeah, you can't. I don't know. If if all you bought was the Apple TV and you brought it home. It, you couldn't use it unless you're willing, like you said, to cannibalize a cable from something else, assuming you have a something else, which I guess is a safe assumption. But, you know, you don't want to cannibalize it. You want to have it integrated into your system. I, if I could if I could jump, you know, two years into the future, maybe less, I'd love to see the Apple TV come with two cable card slots. And then, you know, I can throw away my TiVo and uh, have the Apple TV just do everything. It would it Having one device do all of that is key. And, and for me, likely it will be the TiVo. I can't imagine Amazon is that far behind with HD DVD rentals or HD movie rentals. Uh, I've heard some rumblings that there's, you know, beta tests going on of people renting HD movies and it's got to come, right? I mean, it, there's no question. So I'm, I'm guessing for me, the TiVo is going to beat, beat the Apple TV just because it's got the cable card slots in it. And I can have one device that I already have that does it all. Yeah, no, where I give it a thumbs up though. So, so the first thing I do is, you know, a lot of times when I get a device or, um, I went to the settings menu. So, so one thing yep. is that you can tune it for your TV. So it, it locked in on 720p and the TV I have is 720p or 1080i. So I put it on 1080i. I may throw it back to 720 because I actually, for my screen size, I don't think it really makes a big difference. Um, right, right. I'll then set it up for the network so it could talk to the time capsule, set it up for, um, uh, the, the, the iTunes store access and then one of the first things that that i did was uh, just like at the keynote th so I, I was comparing experiences so I'll, I'll give you a little tangent here so so there's something in this part of the country and i think that most of the country called Redbox. you may have heard of this so to compare the experience so they have these devices that are in grocery stores and gas stations and stuff and it's kind of cool because it's a dollar a night they have discs. You can pick it up at any one and return it to any other one which if there's a lot of them which in my neck of the woods there is at mostly every grocery store and gas station. Uh, it's pretty convenient. It's a dollar a night. Um, so I rented, just for you know, for comparison, they have a free promo code, um, live free or die hard, the, the thing that they showed at the keynote. And man, they destroyed vehicles like crazy in this thing. And ha <laughs> it's cr I don't know how many millions of dollars they spent on destroying pretty much any vehicle you can imagine or, or thing that flies. That's awesome. <laughs> so I got it in, you know, regular... Um, you know, regular format, rented for it. And then I got the HD version. So I, you know, got the, the Apple TV set up, downloaded it. My only gripe is $4.99 for the HD. Now, like Dave said, it downloaded actually a lot quicker than I expected. Like within a couple of minutes, 
and and a lot of times, and we've seen this especially with um, you know some streaming media software real um, tends to buffer. But well, no, those, those days are past. <laughs> I <think>. But um, <laughs> I was expecting, oh boy, it's playing and it's going to stutter. And but I think by virtue of having a cable modem and also 802n connection to the time capsule, it was able to maintain. And and Apple has enough servers um, where it wasn't a problem. Right. I was expecting an unpleasant situation where it would start playing and then stutter, and it did not. It pretty okay. much started. My only gripe, is, I, and it looked beautiful. It was HD on the HD TV, much better quality than from the CD, which is only standard def. But um, right, four ninety nine for a day versus video stores where you can get something for five days for five bucks or a dollar a night. I think they got to back off a bit, and and I don't oh, know yeah. if it's the studios or Apple or a combination of both. You know, for but but you know a day for. Just for here's me, my thoughts. Bit- here's my thoughts on that. I, I think it's, I think it's Amazon's fault, right? Because Apple, you know, with iTunes, Apple was the basically the first one in mass to negotiate deals with all of the the recording, you know, the record labels to get stuff out there digitally, and they really controlled that process well. I mean, you know, Jobs and and his team there ran ran the ran the show. Well. They came into this after Amazon had negotiated these Unbox deals. And the deal that Amazon negotiated with Unbox is the same thing that we see with iTunes rentals. And that is this, you know, you get it for 30 days, but uh, once you start playing, you have 24 hours to watch it. And it sucks, to be to be brutally honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, and I've said this before, especially, you know, with us having kids – if we start watching a movie and then we have a kid wake up and melt down or get sick or, you know, whatever's, I mean, they're kids, stuff happens. It, that's it. You know, we, we can't finish the movie that night. You know, if a kid comes and eats 90 minutes of our time, I mean, we're, we're obviously not going to watch the movie. We're going to, you know, help our child, but then we're exhausted and we just go to bed. I want to finish it the next night. Well, you kind of can, and you can monkey around with the Apple TV and, you know, if you leave it on pause in theory, you can replay it, even though uh, you know you might be past the time limit. But officially, you're not supposed. You're you know, it, you're not allowed to do that officially. You can you can find the hacks, and it's fine that a hack works in our favor. But uh, it, yeah, it, but because Amazon negotiated these deals up front, I think the studios, when Apple came around, said, "Oh well, actually, we'll tell you what the deal is. We've already worked it out." And uh, uh, hopefully that'll change, but we may be a couple years away from that. I think, John. And well, you know, it, here's here's a little brainstorm here. Let's combine the models, like the one that I mentioned. How about a dollar a night? If it clicks over, it'll say, "Hey, would you like it another night?" Uh, I mean, a lot of stores, like I got yeah. a local Hollywood video, yeah, they late, do it on late wait. fees, digital late fees. Not late fees, and, and well, actually, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I think it's kind of funny. I mean, Hollywood Video, which is one that's near me, uh, I don't have a blockbuster, and Hollywood's pretty good. Um, but they have an extended rental fee. If I don't bring it back, they just charge me for another five-day period. So maybe right. they could make the model a bit more granular and a bit more flexible, I think is what I'm suggesting. So rather than yeah. five bucks for a day, well, I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's still, to me, kind of steep. But anyways, um, yeah. but the experience, you know, watching it, I mean, HD, surround sound, you know, I have my the, the rear channel, and... Uh, it was just nice. The only thing I got to say when I was looking at the HD content, the, the, the thing is a lot of this, you know, Dave and I, I guess we're kind of HD snobs, is a lot of the content, the YouTube stuff and all that is mostly standard def. I mean, the icons yes. and all that are beautiful and the cover right. flow and all that stuff looks very nice. But a lot of the video and, and a lot of the standard def, 
I don't know. I guess it, it's not a it's not specific to the Apple TV. It's just a phenomenon in general. Is when you start comparing the two, and and they only have I think about a hundred uh, under two hundred over a hundred under two hundred titles right now. They're HD for rental. That's right. Yeah. I want more. Yeah. No, I agree absolutely. And All and right, a tip this... of the hat here. Now, one menu I noticed that I could just mention yeah, keep this. Going. Sure. You go to podcasts, genres, technology, featured podcasts. You'll never guess who's at number two. Actually, I I, I could guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I'm sure that's right on all the iTunes comments that we have. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you, listeners. Yeah. Um, so yes, we're 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 on Apple TV, and it, it was very yeah, that is very cool. cool. Very cool yeah. to see our uh, our icon up there, which I think we yeah. may have to up. Like I mentioned, we we may have to make a higher res one. <laughs> I've actually got the uh, the 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 gentleman that designed it. He's working on creating a higher res version of it for us uh, already. So yeah. he's getting ready. We're we're all getting ready for the world of HD. But uh, that was very very neat to see. Along with uh, I think the Mac cast was up there and a lot of yep. others. But yeah, but yeah, I think it's a it's a, a. I'll agree with you that once the content starts growing, navigating it uh, effectively is going to become more of a challenge. Right now, they have relatively little con- and the content that they do have I, I think is indexed fairly well you know the podcast and the music and stuff like that but but the movies that I think okay. can yeah. may get out of control yeah yeah all right so uh, two things about the apple tv did, did you uh, did we mention airtunes we didn't did oh, we oh i'm sorry okay. and and yes when i was in the settings menu and you probably stumbled across it too when you go into the audio section of the settings menu it says airtunes and it's like huh yep. enable airtunes and of course what that means is that if you have kind of like an Airport Express, it'll show up in iTunes as a destination for whatever you happen to have on your computer with iTunes. And the cool thing is, you know, I've got the, the TVs in the living room, so that's on one side of the house, and it just happens to be on the back, the, you know, the TV and the stereos on the back side, back corner of, of, of that room. And then the, uh, the dual G4 that we have in the house, clear on the other side of the house in the front corner, and it's got a pair of audio engine A2s, you know, connected to it. So, you know, decent speakers for their respective setups uh, in both spaces. With iTunes running on the Dual G4, I can actually play music. And, and I realize this is nothing terribly new, but very cool. I can play music to both. I can tell it, send to the speakers here and to the Apple TV AirTunes and it syncs it up. So I've got music coming out of both places, the same music simultaneously, and it's totally filled the house with music. Fantastic. I loved it. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a very cool thing. Now, another thing I was talking about is this Apple TV. You know, we've talked a lot about having a shared iTunes library and this this mythical creature, right, that, that we all want. Why can't we have... Why can't the Apple TV be that, right? Right now, the Apple TV is very much a you know one-way device, if you will. I can dump data to it and watch it from the Apple TV, but any data that I have on the Apple TV is not accessible. Why? It's on the network. It's on, turned on all the time. Why can't my Apple TV be my library and I have it just shared from all my computers? DRM is already taken care of, right? I mean, it's got to be in the in the cards. I I hope it's in the cards. It would be a beautiful thing if it was. So I just had to get that out there before we uh, before we wrap up the show here, John. No, oh, and one last thing. Yep, I was able to get HD on the Apple TV. 
Yeah. I can't bring it to my computer. No, that's right. HD only on Apple TV. I and noticed. If you rent, if you rent a movie on the Apple TV, it stays there. It will not leave. Oh, because I only rented an HD movie. I thought it was because it was HD. Because it seems like no. right now the only platform you can rent HD movies is the Apple TV. You can't yep. sync them over to your computer, hmm. which makes me sad. Yep, that's right. Uh, all right, so, uh, oh, I got to send the uh, the magic link to Michael Johnston. Michael Johnston of iPhone Alley, of course, is going to convert this show to uh, AAC enhanced for you. And you've downloaded it from Cashfly. They provide all the bandwidth here for uh, the MGG downloads and all of the downloads from the Backbeat Media Podcast Network now, including uh, Dave Slusher's uh, Evil Genius Chronicles. That's now being hosted at Cashfly 2, which is a, a wonderful thing to finally see. The podcast marketplace has A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible as long as you use the audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab link, PDF pen from smile on my mac harman e travel and of course lemon key software with graphic converter and i think that's it john are we done we're done right? uh, man that was it's been a long show yeah i don't even have time to get into any of the cool stuff i saw here at south by southwest and now you're gonna make me you're going off to france and you're gonna make me wait two weeks to talk about south by southwest is that right yeah well, can we do a show yeah. while you're in france maybe we can try. I mean, awesome. the, the hotel I'm in. And yep. actually, I've gotten notes from a couple of people over in France, uh, either recommending, you know, good uh, cab drivers or actually saying, hey, come, uh, you know, come and visit. Um, cool. Uh, I think I may. But um, all right. Well, let me uh, let I mean, me know. My hotel has Wi-Fi. So in theory and, you know, I, I'm glad I got my new portable before I yep. left because. Yep. And I got the travel adapter kit. So in theory, if their Wi-Fi works, which we know about hotel Wi-Fi. Well, uh, right. Yeah, we'll there's see. a reason I'm um, sitting in the Backbeat Media office right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try. Okay, cool. Let's yeah, let's schedule it up cuz I I saw so many cool things and I was just there today. I've got a whole week ahead of me here, so I I want to get this stuff out. I I can't wait 2 weeks to do it. So let's let's see if we can't make uh make a podcast. But but 2 weeks from now we'll both be uh in our our normal studios both be in front of our our normal microphones of course which now are are the Heil PR40s for both of us and uh back in the saddle and hopefully we'll get one out the I believe in fact I I don't believe I'm certain if we do a show next week it would be the first transcontinental Mac geek gab so that's actually pretty cool yeah uh all right let's uh let's see if this thing works here do I have uh there it is there's the band with you well, especially at South by Southwest. I mean, that's yeah, part of that's right. right is banned. Yeah, toward the end of the week. That's right. Yeah. If anybody's here, follow my Twitter stream. It, I, I'll tell you where I am. Twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton. Oh. Excellent show. Oh, yeah. If you're uh, monkeying around, don't... Uh, <laughs>